Blog Talk Radio. Peggy Amanese, your host, Sandra Loveland-Sendo. We have a live show every Tuesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But the show is also worldwide and available on Skype. We're calling in at 1-347-838-920. I have a question for you all. Do you believe when we die that we cease to exist? Do you believe that heaven is for real? Do you believe that our loved ones are always around us? Do you get signs like pennies or feathers or butterflies? rainbows. There's so many ways that our loved ones come through, and my show sets out to show you. Uh, We have many intuitive meetings on the show, and special guests, and we give readings, and hopefully bringing your loved ones through. So stay tuned for our guest tonight. Thank you. Hi, good evening. Uh, Welcome to my show, Sandra Loveland Sendos. I'm doing a special this Friday night. I usually do my shows Tuesdays. Um, and I'm doing this in remembrance of 9-11. And my show's called tonight's uh, special. Uh, it's a special. Spread the light wherever you go. Um, the show tonight's remembering family and friends lost to 9-11. We will be here for you to help you through the pain of 14 years ago by remembering them 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's in remembrance to all that were lost as they... Will they still shine above us in heaven? 
call in and listen to us by uh, dialing one three four seven eight three eight nine two zero one and pressing the one key uh to bring you into the um the queue where you can speak to me um special memory tonight I knew somebody personally one of my coworkers Carol Bacardi, who lost her son Michael Andrew Bacardi, on that date and she was there for me uh a year later when I lost my first child, my daughter Meg to cystic fibrosis so um, anyhow, I see we already have callers on the air. I have uh, a little uh, script here tonight about coping with grief that I'll be reading. And uh, we'll be taking your calls and sharing our stories of 9-11. I know a lot of people are shutting their TVs off because they don't want to remember, and it, it was a horrific day for all of us. And we all have our stories where we were that day and what we were doing, and and it was hard on everybody, but... Uh, of course, mostly on people that lost their children. Um, okay, well, I'm going to take a, my first caller. I'm going to, and then at the la- last half of the show, I'll be bringing on Kevin Schobel, a Baptist deacon, a friend of mine, uh, co-host at times, about his new book about Melanie and um, uh, about our spiritual gifts and uh, the story about Melanie, who in turn um, has been kind of like one of my mentors now, though I didn't know her on this plane. Uh, to help me with my psychic abilities and, and to believe in myself. So the show is about uh, letting your light shine through, that we all have gifts, um, and we should use them. You know, don't be afraid to be who you are, no matter what people say or do, okay? Well, anyhow, my first caller is area code 860-7773. Last four numbers. Let me say hello first and give me your first name and where you're from. Thank you. Hi, hello, my caller. Name is- Hi. Hi. My name is Susan calling from Connecticut. Hi, Susan. How are you? How can I help Good. you, hon? Um, I guess I'm wondering when my finances will get better. All right. My show is about signs your loved ones send us and grief. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you have anybody on the other side? And tonight, tonight is a special about 9-11 and people sharing their stories of where they were that day and if they lost someone. So it's kind of, it's a special show tonight to kind of, for healing for people. You know, mostly my shows, that's what it's about. So did you have somebody on the other side that you wanted to talk about or? No, no, not from 9-11, no. Oh, not, 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 not just 9-11, but anyone in general. You know, like a mother, father, or somebody, or, or someone that you lost close to you? Um, yeah, both of my mothers, my my mother and my stepmother, mm-hmm. are on the other side. Okay. Okay, all right. Well, like I said, you know, I really don't do this about, you know, I mean, I can, not that I can't, but it's my show is basically about grief. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Do you have any stories you do want to share? I mean, what were you doing on that day? I mean, what are your feelings on it? I was at work. It was horrible because I was in a room where they had TVs because um, mm-hmm. I was in a trading room. And um, right. I was watching it as it was happening. And I don't yep. think I'll ever forget where I was I on that think, day. Yeah, I don't think anybody will. I really don't. Yeah, I Actually, I had a coworker that um, lost her only son that day which was nine months before I lost. I've lost two children myself, a son and daughter, cystic fibrosis in the 20s. And and that was horrific enough, losing children, period, you know. Yeah. Um, but she actually was one of my um, biggest uh, supporters uh, less than a year later when I lost my first first child. So, and I remember what I was doing. It was It was a bad day. It was a bad day for everyone. 
but my heart goes out to people that lost, um, you know, their family in the in, in on that day. Yeah, I yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. So basically, that's what the show is about tonight. So if you want to, um, do you have anything to contribute to it or? No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, sweetheart. Well, thanks for calling in. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Bye. All right, and like I said, the second half of the show, our show is about grief, people. I just want to let you know, I mean, we do bring messages for other things at times, you know, if it's related to grief or if your loved one on the other side has a message to help you get through life on a daily basis here. Um, but I'm going to read a little bit um, a little bit of a script here on grief, and it's grief in general um, for all of us, not just people that have lost uh, children, so... And if anybody wants to call in, again, you can call in at area code uh, 347-838-9201. Share your stories of what you were doing that day or if you've lost someone or you'd like to just talk about, you know, in memory of your your lost loved one. We're here to help you through this tonight, okay? I usually don't do shows on Friday night, but I felt that I needed to tonight. Anyhow, um, this is a – I'm going to read something on coping with grief and loss and understanding the grieving process. Losing someone or something you love or care deeply about is very painful. You may experience all kinds of difficult emotions, and it may feel like the pain and sadness your experience will never let up. There are These are normal reactions to a significant loss. But while there is no right or wrong way to grieve, there are healthy ways to cope with the pain that in time can renew you and permit you to move on. And I'll tell you, we never totally move on. We go on with our life on a new way of living. So not everybody moves on. They just live life a little differently. Okay, so what is grief? Grief is a natural response to loss. It's the emotional suffering you feel when something or someone you love is taken away. The more significant the loss, the more intense the grief will be. You may associate grief with the death of a loved one, which is often the cause of the most intense type of grief. But any loss can cause grief, including divorce or relationship breakup, loss of your health, losing a job, Loss of financial stability, a miscarriage, retirement, death of a pet, loss of a cherished dream, a loved one's serious illness, loss of friendship, loss of safety after a trauma, selling the family home. The more significant the loss, the more intense the grief. However, even subtle losses can lead to grief. For example, you might experience grief after moving away from home, graduating from college, changing jobs, selling your family home, or retiring from your career you loved. Everyone grieves differently. Grieving is a personal and highly individual experience. How you grieve depends on many factors, including your personality and coping style, your life experience, your faith, and the nature of the loss. The normal uh, grieving process takes time. Healing happens gradually. It can be forced or hurried, and there's no normal timetable for grieving. Some people start to feel better in weeks or months. For others, the grieving process is measured in years. Whatever your grief experience, it's important to be patient with yourself and allow the process to naturally unfold. Now, here are some myths and facts about the grieving process. A myth, the pain will go away faster if you ignore it. The fact is, trying to ignore your pain or keep it from servicing will only make it worse in the long run. For real healing is necessary to face your grief and and actively deal with it. Another myth, it's important to be strong in the face of a loss. Feeling sad is the actual fact. It's frightened or only a normal reaction to loss. Crying doesn't mean you're weak. You don't need to protect your family or friends by putting on a brave front. Showing your true feelings can help them with you. 
myth. If you don't cry, it means you aren't sorry about the loss. The fact is, crying is a normal response to sadness, but it's not the only one. Those who don't cry may feel the pain just as deeply as others. They may simply have other ways of, show, of showing. Excuse me. <coughs> I'm a little under the weather. <clears throat> myth. Grief should last about a year. In fact, there's no right or wrong time uh, frame for grieving. How long it takes can differ from person to person. Now, are there stages of grief? Just like anything else in life, people, um, no one does it the same. You know, they said at one point that there were five stages. Um, you know, maybe that's kind of like an outline of what people go through during this, I'm not going to call it healing process, but it, grief is kind of like a healing process. It takes time. So, but anyhow, in 1969, a psychiatrist, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, introduced what became as the five stages, which I just said, of grief. These stages of grief were based on her studies of the feelings of patients facing terminal illness. But many people have generalized them to other types of negative life changes and losses, such as the death of a loved one or a break. Here are the five stages that they talk about. Number one is denial. This can't be happening to me. The next, number two, anger. Why is this happening to me? Who is it to blame? Number three, bargaining. Make this not happen, and in return, I will so-and-so. We all bargain with God, like, please send our loved ones back. Depression is number four. I'm too sad to do anything. And number five is finally acceptance. I'm at peace with what happened. Well, I don't think anybody's at total peace ever with what happens. You just learn to live differently without the person. Um, if you're experiencing any of these emotions following a loss, it may help to know that your reaction is natural and that you will heal in time. However, not everyone who grieves goes through all these stages, and that's okay. Contrary to popular belief, you do not have to go through each stage in the order to heal. In fact, some people resolve their grief without going through any of these stages. And if you do go through these stages of grief, you probably won't experience them in a neat, sequential order. So don't worry about what you should be feeling or what stage you're supposed to be in. Kubler-Ross herself never intended for these stages to be rigid frameworks that applies to everyone who mourns. In fact, in her last book before her death in 2004, she said of the five stages of grief, there were never meant to be to help tuck messy emotions into neat packages. There are responses to loss that many people have, but there, there is not a typical response to loss as there is no typical loss. Our grieving is as individual as our lives. Grief can be a roller coaster. Instead of a series of stages, we might also think of the grieving process as a roller coaster, full of ups and downs, highs and lows. Like many roller coasters, the ride tends to be rougher in the beginning. The lows may be deeper and longer. The difficult period should become less intense and shorter as time goes by. But it takes time to work through the loss. Even years after loss, especially at special events such as family wedding or the birth of a child, we may still be experiencing a strong sense of grief. Common signs of grief. While loss affects people in different ways, many experience the following symptoms when they're grieving. Just remember that almost anything that you experience in the early stages of grief is normal, including feeling like you're going crazy, feeling like you're in a bad dream, or questioning your religious beliefs. The shock and disbelief part is number one. Right after a loss, it can be hard to accept what happened. You may feel numb, have trouble believing that the loss really happened, or even deny the truth. If someone you love has died, you may keep expecting her or him to show up, walk through that door, even though you know he or she is gone. 
The second one would be sadness. Profound sadness is probably the most universal experience symptom of grief. You may have feelings of emptiness, despair, yearning, or deep loneliness. You may also cry a lot or feel emotionally unstable. Number three would be the guilt. You may regret or feel guilty about things you did or didn't say or do. You may also feel guilty about certain feelings. Feeling relieved when when the person died after a long, difficult illness. After a death, you may even feel guilty for not doing something or preventing the death, even if there was nothing more you could have done. Many of us go through that. Okay, <clears throat> number four is the anger. Even if the loss has no, is nobody's fault, you may feel angry and resentful. If you lost a loved one, you may be angry with yourself, God, the doctors, or even the person who died for abandoning you. You may feel the need to blame someone for the injustice that has done to, it has done to you. Now, the next one is fear. A significant loss can trigger a host of worries and fears. You may feel anxious, helpless, or insecure. You may even have panic attacks. The death of a loved one can trigger fears about your own mortality, of facing life without that person or the responsibilities you now face alone. The next would be physical symptoms. We often think of grief as strictly emotional process, but grief often involves physical problems including fatigue, nausea, lowered immunity, weight loss or weight gain, aches and pains, and insomnia. Yep, I still go through a lot of these stages myself and so do many other uh, grieving parents that I talk to. Okay, and the other thing too, um, you know, the physical symptoms, they, there used to be a saying that people dying of a broken heart. There actually have been studies that have shown that it can affect your heart, that uh, grief can be so severe that it, the stress of the grief alone can give you a heart attack. So uh, I just want to say if you feel that you need help, see your doctor, or if you feel suicidal, call the suicide hotline. There are people there to help you. Okay. Coping with grief and loss, tip number one, give support to people or get support, like I just said. The single most important factor in healing from loss is having the support of other people. Even if you aren't comfortable talking about your feelings under normal circumstances, it's important to express them when you're grieving. Sharing your loss makes the burden of the grief easier to carry. Wherever the support comes from, accept it and do not grieve alone. Connect to others and it will help you heal. Finding support after a loss. A loss I'm sorry. <clears throat> Turn to friends and family members. Now is the time to lean on the people who care about you, even if you take pride in being strong and self-sufficient. Draw loved ones close rather than avoiding them, and accept the, the assistance that's offered. Oftentimes, people want to help, but they don't know how. So tell them what you need, whether it's a shoulder cry on or help with funeral arrangements. And you know what? There's another uh, side of that coin too that. Many out of the fear of their own mortality or fear it's gonna they're gonna lose a you know like my case and many others because I work with a lot of grieving parents, you're a reminder that it can happen to them, so they avoid you like the plague, so you gotta let those people go um don't be angry with them, they just don't know they really don't know what you're feeling okay you, this is not something anyone can assume, okay The next would be to draw comfort from your faith if you follow a religious tradition. Embrace the comfort its morning rituals can provide. Spiritual activities that are meaningful to you, such as praying, meditating, or going to church, can offer solace. If you're questioning your faith in the wake of the loss, talk to a clergy member or others in your religious community. Number four would be to join a support group. Grief can feel very lonely even when you have loved ones around. 
Sharing your sorrow with others who have experienced similar losses can help. To find a bereavement support group in your area, contact local hospital, hospices, funeral homes, and counseling centers. Lastly would be talk to a therapist or a grief counselor. If your grief feels like too much to bear, call a mental health professional with experience in grief counseling. An experienced therapist can help you work through intense emotions and overcome obstacles to your grieving. I have a little more of this script to to read, okay? And um, I just want to go back to see if there's any calls that wanted to talk. So, so far, just listening. Okay. Here's uh, coping with grief and loss. Tip number two, take care of yourself. And that's something a lot of us don't do. Um, And I hate to keep bringing up the child loss, but especially after child loss, we just... A lot of us just give up. You know, we um, were angry at God um, for taking our kids. We're angry at our friends, our family, the world. Um, and we just say, why bother? You know, our children were not supposed to die before us, you know. And so that anger, we just sit here and dwell on it and dwell on it. And I've done it. I lost my daughter almost 14 years ago and my son four years ago. And I still go through stages of that where I just don't want to be around people. Um, because they don't understand you. Um, even some of the people in our own, you know, grief support groups, everyone's got their own story. Um, you know, some children have died to accidents, others died to suicide, to others to disease, uh, others to drug overdoses. So we all have our own story about, you know, and we all do grieve similar but different. So, um, you know, don't feel that you're, um, at the end of life, because of the way you're feeling and that you're all, you're all alone, because you're never really truly alone. There's always somebody out there that has lost a child to, like mine, cystic fibrosis, or lost a child to suicide or accident. Reach out to those people that can understand you at that level, okay? So when you're grieving, it's more important than ever to take care of yourself, like I said. The stress of major loss can quickly deplete your energy and emotional reserves. Looking after your physical and emotional needs will help you get through difficult time. Number one, you need to face your feelings. You can try to suppress your grief, but you can't avoid it forever. In order to heal, you have to acknowledge the pain. Trying to avoid feelings of sadness and loss only prolongs the grieving process. Unresolved grief can also lead to complications such as depression, anxiety, substance abuse, and health problems. Number two, express your feelings in a tangible or creative way. Write about your loss in a journal. If you lost a loved one, write a letter saying the things you never got to say. Or make a scrapbook or a photo album celebrating that person's life. Or get involved in a cause or organization that was important to him or her. And that's kind of like what I do with the show. Um, I had to find purpose again. And while I'm trying to help other people heal, it, it heals me too, to help others. Number three, look after your physical health. The mind and body are connected. When you feel good physically, you'll also feel better emotionally. Combat stress and fatigue in getting enough sleep, eating right, and exercising. Don't use alcohol or drugs to numb the pain of grief of grief, or lift your mood. It's only a temporary fix. It only, you know, the, the lift is only um, it's an artificial lift. Okay, number four here. Don't let anyone tell you how to feel. That's really important. And don't tell yourself how to feel either. Your grief is your own. Own it. No one else can tell you when it's time to move on or get over it. Let yourself feel whatever you feel without embarrassment or judgment. It's okay to be angry, to yell at the heavens, to cry or not to cry. 
It's also okay, okay to laugh, to find moments of joy, and let go when you're ready. Okay, now the next is plan ahead for grief triggers. The anniversaries, holidays, and milestones can reawaken memories and feelings. Be prepared for an emotional wallop. And know that it's completely normal. If you're sharing a holiday or life cycle event with other relatives, talk to them ahead of time about their expectation and agree on strategies to honor the person you love. Um, I do this also myself on Facebook. Like many other parents, we have memorial pages for our kids. And when their birthdays come, my daughter's birthday was September 1st. Mine was the 7th. Um, So you feel a little worse around those times because, well, Others are celebrating with parties with their kids. You don't have that anymore. And that's a real hard thing to do. You go back to the day of their birth or the day of adoption. Because even adoptive parents, they, they hurt too. You know, when you raise a child you love, I mean, it's, you're grieving somebody you love. But my suggestion to you is to do balloon releases or um, go to what maybe I, at the holidays, go to the hospital. I raise toys for kids. You know, do something for somebody else, and it, it does usually make you feel a little bit better. Celebrate their life. You know, though they're not physically here, they are around you. You know I'm an intuitive medium, which I talk about. They're around you. They're just different now, you know, different, around you in a different way. And, uh, the, you know, they do center signs, you know. Not everybody believes in it, and I understand, but um, they do. They, they send us signs. A lot of people ignore them. But anyhow... You know, just um, do something in memory of them. I still get the birthday cakes, and I do a balloon release, some release butterflies, some, you know, do something in memory of them to help somebody else. But that's, that aids in the healing process also. Okay, bear with me one second. I just want to go back to the studio. Okay. The next thing is using social media for support. Memorial pages on Facebook and other social media sites have become popular ways to inform a wide audience of a loved one and passing and to reach out for support, as well as allowing you to impact uh, practical information such as funeral plans. These pages allow friends and loved ones to post their own tributes to condolences. Reading such messages can often provide some comfort for those grieving of the loss. Of course, posting sensitive contact <clears throat> content I'm sorry, on social media has its risk as well. Memorial pages are often open to anyone with a Facebook account. This may encourage people who hardly knew the deceased to post well-meaning but inappropriate comments or advice. Worse, memorial pages can also attract Internet trolls. Yep, there's some evil people out there, my friends. I've been through it, too, where I've been bashed and put down, and it, it makes you feel worse. But you got to move on and just turn the other cheek, like the Bible says sometimes. There have been many well-publicized uh, cases of strangers posting cruel or abusive messages on Facebook memorial pages. To gain some protection, you can opt to create a closed group on Facebook rather than a public page, which means people have to be approved by a group member before they can access the memorial. It's also important to remember that that while social media can be a useful tool for reaching out to others, it can't be replaced to -to face-to-face connection with support you need at this time. And I just want to emphasize that too. Uh, Some people get mad at me because I'm not a texter and I'm not a selfie person or Whatever, we've, we've lost a lot of, um, and this is not a lecture, but it's a reality. We've lost a lot of human touch. People, we need to be there more for each other. The hugs and the kisses and the, the one-on-one talking. So if you're with somebody, and this is general population too, not just for grieving. When you're with your friends or out to dinner, put those cell phones away. Uh, your calls and your your messages can wait till later. 
Um, it's rude, number one. I mean, not to lecture people, but it is rude. You know that you know you're there with somebody and you need to talk to them. And we're losing that. We, we're losing that one-on-one with people. So maybe give it a try. You know, save the, the texts and stuff for later. And especially if you're with somebody who's grieving, they need your support. They they don't need you to talk and like you know not listening to them. You know, it's like I said, it is rude, but it's also um, it hurts them. I've been there. I know. So and so of a lot of people, thousands of people I've talked to. You know, we. We need to talk to people and not share you at the moment at that time with your texting other people, okay? Not a lecture, but it's reality. Okay, when grief doesn't go away, and I've seen this many times with many people, it's normal to feel sad, numb, or angry following a loss. But as time passes, these emotions should become less intense as you accept the loss and start to move forward. And especially with children, it's really hard. If you aren't feeling better over time or your grief is getting worse, it may be a sign that your grief has developed into a more serious problem such as complicated grief or major depression. Okay, complicated grief. Let me explain that a little bit. The sadness of losing someone who you loved never goes away completely, but it shouldn't remain center stage. If the pain of the loss is so constant and severe that it keeps you from resuming any kind of a life, you may be suffering from a condition known as complicated grief. Complicated grief is like being stuck in an intense state of mourning. You may have trouble accepting the death long after it has occurred or be so preoccupied with the person who died that it disrupts your daily routine and undetermines your other relationships. Symptoms of complicated grief include intense longing and yearning for the deceased, intrusive thoughts or images of your loved one, denial of death or sense of disbelief, imagining that your loved one is alive, searching for the person in familiar places, avoiding things that remind you of your loved one, extreme anger or bitterness over the loss, and feeling that life is empty or meaningless. The difference between grief and depression, distinguishing between grief and clinical depression, isn't always as easy as they share many common symptoms. There are, always, uh, there's, there are ways to tell the difference. Remember, grief can be a roller coaster. It involves a wide variety of emotions and a mix of, of good and bad days. Even when you're in the middle of a grieving process, you will have moments of pleasure or happiness. But with depression, on the other hand, the feelings of emptiness and despair are constant. Other symptoms that suggest depression, not just grief, intense, um, pervasive sense of guilt, thoughts of suicide or preoccupation with death, feelings of hopelessness or worthlessness, slow speech and body movements, Inability to function at work, home, and or school, and also with the family. Seeing or hearing things that aren't there. Well, that's the other thing. People think because um, I'm intuitive and many others that are intuitive that have had major loss that we're crazy. Um, no, we're not. <laughs> we're not imagining things. Some do have, I mean, we all have a gift at some point, but there may be others that do see and hear things that, that aren't there. So, um that have totally escaped reality, but, um, you know, at that point, you need to talk to somebody professionally, okay? So when is the time to seek professional help for grief? If you recognize any of the above symptoms of complicated grief or clinical depression, talk to a mental health professional right away. Left untreated, complicated grief and depression can lead to significant emotional damage, life-threatening health problems, and even suicide. But treatment can help you get better. Contact a grief counselor or professional therapist if if you feel like life isn't worth living, wish you had died with your loved one, 
blame yourself for the loss or the failing to prevent it, or feel numb and disconnected from others for more than a few weeks, are having difficulty trusting others since your loss, or unable to perform your normal daily activities. More help for coping with grief loss. <clears throat> Excuse me, grief loss and uh, uh, grief and loss help centers. There's no right or wrong way to grieve, but there are healthy ways to cope with the pain and express your emotions in ways that allow you to heal. Okay. Coping with grief and the loss of help. Um, there's support for a grieving person and understanding the grief process. Um, some people, too, I've, I've had people call into my show, and, <clears throat> of course, it's mainly I started the show to help people that have, like I said, lost children, but they've lost a pet. Um, uh, some people feel, well, most of us love our pets just like family, you know, but I've had people grieving the loss so badly that it's just like losing a child. So there's uh, places for you, two to go and seek help. Um, there's other kinds of grief, too, like coping with a breakup or divorce, and um, you need to find find a way to move on after the relationship ends. Um, and then saying goodbye, um, many have terminal illness. Both uh, my kids had cystic fibrosis, and it was terminal, and <clears throat> we never knew. <clears throat> we always hoped for the best. You know, if you want to face facts, we're all terminal. We're, we're all going to go there at some point. Nobody wants to um, face that, but it's true. But um, there's there's a way of saying goodbye and coping with loved ones' terminal illness. There's also help groups for that. Um, other related issue is depressive symptoms and warning signs, and uh, this groups out how to recognize your depression and symptoms and get effective help. Um, there's emotional and psychological trauma um, groups where it lets you know about the symptoms, treatment, and recovery. And there's another thing. We've all heard of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. There are triggers um, for post-traumatic stress, like the angel anniversaries, I call them the death dates, their birthdays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, New Year's, many things can trigger the post-traumatic stress. Um, that's also a very real symptom, and it can give you panic attacks. It can make you become reclusive. Um, it can get you detached from reality. But just remember, there are places you can go to get help with that also. And I'm not a big advocate of medication, but if... There are people that need it. If you need it, don't feel you know bad that you have to take it, okay? It's better than just sitting and existing. Get the help you need, okay? <clears throat> um, general information about grief and loss. There's life after loss dealing with grief. Got, there's a uh, guide to coping with grief loss, in, including normal grief reactions to expect. And it's at, it's at the University of Texas Counseling and Mental Health Center. Um, I'm going to post this page to my event site so you can look up these um, different avenues where to go to get some of the help you may need. Um, death and Grief, there's an article for teens and how to cope with grief and loss. Includes tips for dealing with the pain and taking care of yourself during the grieving process. And, you know, we that have lost children and have other children, um, some of them are teens when it happens. And some are teens when they lose a parent. Um we have to realize they were very formative years. We know it's a tough being a teenager as it is, and and uh, even an adult. I mean, you know, um, you know, if you lose a sibling, I've lost 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 a brother and sister besides, so I, I can speak on that term too, the feelings, and uh, it's hard. It's hard. You know, you grew up with these people, and they're to the side of you most of your life, and all of a sudden they're gone, and you know, it's it's that's also a very difficult uh, loss, and. Uh, 
when it comes to being a teenager to cope with, you know, uh, this kind of loss is devastating. So, um, you know, get the help for your kids, too. You know, if your kids are having trouble coping after loss of a sibling or or a parent or, you know, even grandparent, um, they need help sometimes, too. Okay? Okay. Now, let's see what else we have here. Um, uh, let's see. Um, death of a loved one. Uh, there's grief coping with reminders after loss. There's also a site about tips for coping with the grief that can resurface <clears throat> even years after the loss of a loved one. <clears throat> um, and there's an on being alone guide for newly widowed, a comprehensive series of articles on grief and loss offering the practical as well as the psychological ad- advice. Um, there's also support and grief loss, uh, griefnet.org, online support community for people dealing with grief, death, and major loss, with over 50 monitored support groups for both kids and adults. Um, the Compassionate Friends, I belong to that group too. It's the national self-help organization for those grieving the loss of a child. It includes a chapter locator and supportive online brochures on various aspects of grief. Grief, And that's, again, the Compassion, uh, Compassionate Friends of America. But they're, I think they're also uh, worldwide, okay? Um, using Facebook for grief. There's an article about using Facebook memorial pages to grieve a loved one, coping with loss and, and grief. And, you know, I found even though I'm an author now and wrote a book and I've got some others coming out, and um, writing down sometimes, getting your emotions out seems to help. I know a friend of mine, oh gosh, 25 years ago, um, Another Vietnam vet, like my husband who was, uh, he was a Vietnam vet, and um, he said one of the ways he dealt with his post-traumatic stress was keeping a journal. But a little different than most journals, like a lot of us, you know, keep a journal, and then we write things down, and some of us turning it into books, but this was a different kind of a journal. He would take his emotions, he said. He would put them on paper, get them out, crumble the paper up, and throw it in the garbage, you know? I think that's a great idea. That may work for some, okay? Um, stages of grief. And another one is, you know, helping others through your story. There's, you know, for anybody else, that, you know, that has lost a child of the same thing, that book of yours that you put together, in turn, can help somebody else by someone saying, oh, gosh, well, even though you're not the person, but you've gone through the similar um, feelings. So that, in a way, is healing to both of you, Okay. Anyhow, the stages of grief, uh, the like I told you about this article, the Kubler-Ross Grief Cycle, it tells each stage that it applies to the persons facing the death or other negative life change. That the cycle was presented includes seven stages, including the initial shock. And, of course, what is grief? Like I, I read the article. It lays out the general stage of grief with tips for helping someone who's grieving. Okay, and it comes from the University of Illinois uh, Counseling Center. There's also things about the complicated grief, like I discussed, the major depression and complicated grief when grief becomes a way of life. Um, Yes, we grieve every day, uh, like I said before, especially for our kids. But when it becomes a way of life, it's time to get help. You know, it's time to get help. And uh, because, you know, some people just don't function. I've had... I had times like that myself. I mean, I just couldn't function. I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want to be around friends or family. It's very hard sometimes that, you know, they they will invite you. Some do invite you to parties and events and 
<clears throat> you're watching their children that are the same age as yours, and yours are no longer here, getting married or graduating or going into the service, and and it's like it's kind of like that we go into that poor me syndrome where, well, how come we got cheated out of this? And it's, that's real too, you know. And it's not a it's not a really a pity party. It's real. It's it's a real emotion. We're not feeling sorry for ourselves. We're angry. That's part of the anger process. That why me? Why me? We ask ourselves why me. And then there's also people that have uh, lost people after suicide. And you need to understand um, your emotions as well as suicide in general. So, um, and this, this site, uh, Grief After Suicide, may ease your grieving after suicide. Um, so there's a link to that on this page that I'll be posting. And what other uh, readers are saying, is, um, we have somebody saying here, I've had a hard time today because I just lost my forever soulmate. Your articles on suicide and grief gave me the hope I have so desperately needed. Thank you for caring about others and being willing to share articles during a difficult time. I am encouraged and feel so much better after finding your site. That was a um, uh, texter from Colorado. Uh, somebody else says, Yours was the first article I turned to in order to confirm that I was going through stages of grief, and it gave me a greater clarity and hope for uh, someone from Canada. And... That's one of the main things with grief, and like I said, the show is about 9-11, and you know, here we are 14 years later, and because it affected the world, you know, so every channel you put on TV today is going to be the memorials and the, um, you know, the dedications and the reminders, and the people that have lost their family members, I mean, it's the angel date, like I call it, the angel anniversary, but not like you or me. We have to deal with it, you know, with our families and friends. But people with nine during nine eleven that have lost loved ones have to deal with the whole world. And um, actually, I'm going to read something to you that I had worked with a woman, Carol, um, many years ago. She was an accountant for one of the businesses I worked for, and she, like I said, I'm dedicating tonight's show in memory of her son, Michael, Michael Bacari. Um, and her husband was a former uh, police chief here in uh, Westchester County, where I live in New York. And here is um, something that Michael's father that uh, wrote about his son. Okay, so tonight's show, again, like I said, dedicated to Michael Andrew Bacardi. His father wrote this. Michael Bacardi has spent a, a decade trying to avoid dwelling on the day. This is his father, Michael, also. Dwelling on the day his son died in the Twin Towers. He says, quote-unquote, it's still very difficult every year. You can't get over it because every year it's on TV again. I find it way difficult to watch any of that, said Bacardi, a Bronxville resident and former Pelham police chief. I lived in Westchester and my, with my daughter and grandchildren live in Albany. They're, they're all I have left. He seldom speaks to anyone about what happens. He was particularly close to his son who lived with him. Bacardi said even even the Westchester County Memorial is too painful to visit. This year, however, he plans to attend the Pella Memorial, the first official remembrance ceremony for him since 2001. Now, I don't know what the date of this article was. It might have been last year. Um, his son, Michael Andrew, was working on the 93rd floor of the North Tower when it went down on September 11. Um, last failing gathering before his death was his niece's christening at the start of that month. She now has twin eight-year-old uh, brothers whose middle names are in memory of their uncle, Christopher Michael and Nicholas Andrew. 
So that's nice. That's you know, it's nice to memorialize your loved one by um that happened to me too with um friends of my son after he passed. Of course he was twenty two and had no children and so one of his best friends gave their son's middle name, um, his name and so that's a nice thing to do for somebody. And it does really help um also with the healing process. So, um there's ways around um grief. As difficult as it is, um, like I said, we all go through it in different ways. Um, I write poetry, you know. I, um, uh, along with writing books, I and I, I see a lot of other grieving parents seem to do that too. You know, like I've said before, part of it is you know getting your feelings out. Um, it's important. You know, a lot of people want us to shut up. You know, even on the show, a lot of people just want me to shut up because I'm a reminder about their mortality, but. That's not the way to do it. Think of that person, and I'm not talking just about myself because it's not just about me. It's about, you know, it's just about me. I just sit here and (laughs) ask other people for the answers. No, I chose to do the show to help others. I chose to start my own groups to help others, you know. But it's important not to shut up. You cannot bottle these emotions up, okay? It just can't be done. It's not healthy physically, mentally, spiritually, okay? Um, Let's see what else we have here. Um, sympathy quotes and sayings. Um, actually, I may go because, like I said, we have callers, but I seem that they're just listening tonight, you know. And a lot of them are used to me doing my show on Tuesdays. This is a, out of the norm for me, but I just I thought it would be nice to uh, do a show. So let me go to like my poetry page. I'll read some of the poetry until we have some other callers coming on. Okay, hold on one second. I am actually having problems with my computer, which is nothing new. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's see. Let me go. Um, and I do have sites for people that, you know, um, you're more than happy, you know, I'd be more than happy to let you in after, you know, seeing um, who you are. And I have a poetry page. I have uh, mothers and fathers and siblings dealing with grief of, you know, lost one, uh, loved one. So, um, let me see, let me see if I can read some of this to you. Until we have Kevin coming on, he should be on shortly. Okay, bear with me, I have to put my air conditioning on, it's getting humid in here. Okay, um, let's see. And like I said, if you want to, um, yeah, there's different ways of hearing my show. You can go into Blog Talk Radio on the computer, dot com slash Peggy, P-E-G-G-Y-S. I-M-M-A-N-E-S-I. You click that on, and if you're you know around the world, you can Skype in from that. You don't have to call in. Or you can call on the show uh, at 1-347-838-9201. And you can just listen to the show that way. Or you hit the number one button if you want to speak to us or you have a story to tell. Um, that's what the show is about tonight, sharing your stories with us, getting your you know emotions out, venting. Because, you know, most times when you're grieving, um, a lot of people just give you this look, and you know you know what they're thinking. You don't have to be intuitive. It's like, shut up and go away. I don't want to hear anymore. People get sick of it. People really get sick of us, you know, and um, we know that, and it's really hard, but you know what? You go home, and you can do your thing, and you have your family and your children. We live with this 24-7, and we need our friends. We need our family, and so many do desert us um, during these times. It's it's unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. 
Okay, let's see. Oh, actually, you know what? I have people on chat here, too, tonight. Um, if you want to, you know, type something or have a question on chat, please feel free to do so also, okay? All right, I'm going to read you, like I said, and being that nobody wants to talk at the moment, some of maybe the poetry um, that I write. And I usually put up a... Um, a lot of times I make my own quotes, but most of the time I'm taking other quotes that I see and I, I kind of put a poem around it. Um, let's see what we have here. Okay, here's one. Um, the quote on the page is, Sometimes people won't understand how you feel until it happens to them, until they experience their own pain. The poem I wrote for that is, They say you have to stay to help others. And this is kind of like written from of depression. And I, a lot of people think it's always about me. It's not. It's I'm listening to another parent tell me their story, and I'm writing empathetically from their feelings, you know, from what they've told me, what they're feeling. So that's kind of like, uh, you know, a mother or a dad feeling at the end of the rope, and that's what this poem's about, saying, they say you have to stay to help others. When we lose children, others say to you, you have to stay. So we just want to leave, too, and go away. They told, and I'm no Edgar Allan Poe, by the way. I just write what I feel. Uh, it rhymes. They told me I have, I have, am still needed here on earth. Though grown now, to be there for my other children, I have given birth. This was about me on my daughter's birthday. I think I wrote this. But what about those other children being there for me? I'm hurting, too, and, and also have needs. Some don't realize they have turned their back in their pain. Though I had reached out to them, life would never be the same. For some reason, they just don't get my eternal pain. As I was the one who took care of their siblings until I no longer knew my own name. The death of, death of my other kids was the finale of it all. But year after year, prior with their illness, I was there at their beck and call. The constant care of the things I had to do, day by day, and mostly did it alone with not much help from others in any way. It took a toll on me while others went on with their life. Then one day it stopped, and I had to find a, per, a reason to go on, no longer the mother of four and a wife. And having to listen to some who would give me their unwarranted advice when they should have zipped their lips and thought twice. Something like this was a lot for me to handle alone, as she were knocked on my door and called me on the phone. So then I told myself I needed to survive by helping others. My life now consisted doing so, helping other grieving fathers and mothers. And then I got kicked down for that, too, by people I thought I knew, but that have no clue. How hard it is for me to go on each and every day, along with my thoughts while others have walked away. They see what I do, for some reason, some kind of a joke. Trying to have purpose behind that da the daily tears hide I hide behind that I now choke. So here I am thinking what comes next in my life when I have given my all to many without time so little respect. The time is spent doing things unselfishly, asking myself now do I continue on what is my destiny. I don't get why some try to make purpose take my purpose away from me. Some say it isn't isn't me that it's some kind of jealousy. Jealous of what? Do they want to trade places with me? If they did, that would be a form of insanity, as I would not wish my life on my worst enemy. So you see, I'm thinking, really, is this worth it to me? 
to keep helping others and doing it all for free. As I never took a penny, as it's never been about just me. Of course it gave me something to live for, but now I'm questioning, should I close this door? Yes, I will be moving soon to a new life, but the baggage will come with me as I continue to fight. The day-to-day battle of my new identity, living out my days without those I love for eternity. All right. And there's more poetry here. Bear with me. Um, here's one about child loss and what it feels like to me. And like I said, they're not... They don't think it's all about me. It's not. I relate to other parents, and I when I'm writing poems like this, it's I may put my children's name in there, but I'm doing it for all of us, not just me, okay? So this is what it feels like to me, and I'm speaking for most others that have lost children. Oh, God, why, oh, why did you take my child? Not just one, but two. They have been gone for a while. That's I read on my daughter's birthday. Today is my oldest, my only daughter's birthday. The pain is still raw, as raw as it can be, and never goes away. Do I go on with life? Of course, what else can I do? But now misunderstood by those who have not walked in my shoes. Instead of being there, they avoid me like the plague. When they see me, they turn their heads when I talk of Mark and Meg. That were my, that was my children's names, for those who don't know me. They just don't understand how truly sad, how truly hard it is for me. Not only my friends, but also some of my family. Many look at me like I'm now crazy, because I now do things in their memories. I've been mocked and laughed at for some things I do, as these are the things that help me get through. Their birthdays and holidays and their angel anniversaries. Some think I want pity, which is not true. Show me some mercy. Yes, I feel punished at times for something out of my control, losing two children that they were never to grow old. My only wish for others is to try to understand. Yes, I'm now different, but I'm still me and who I am. The same person I was before, just somewhat different, now with a broken heart and also a broken spirit. But I continue on the best I can and live my life. Maybe not the same as before due to all the strife. It's like being an addict who struggles each and every day. But child loss was not our choice, but feels the same way. To keep going on without something that makes us feel good, it's an everyday battle for us and still misunderstood. The only thing I can say now is, please, we still need others. We need to still be nourished by all our sisters and brothers. Now at times also feel so alone, like we have also, we too have died. But we need you all still in our lives in order to thrive. We know it's hard for you at times for us to be around. But without your support, we feel alone and down. We don't want your advice just to be our friend. Though you possibly can't, though you can't possibly create places with us, just try and understand. And that's all any of us want, to be understood a little. And we know that if you haven't experienced something like this, child loss, that um, you can't really put yourself in the other person's shoes because it's not something you can really imagine. Here's something else, uh, another poem I wrote. Actually, I wrote a couple poems about the empty chairs at the table, but this one is actually called Empty Chairs at My Table. And I wrote this, you know, mostly about the, like I said before, the birthdays and the holidays and <clears throat> how a grieving parents feel, okay? Well, 
This was right before my daughter's birthday this year. I wrote this one. Now another birthday is drawing near, without those so dear and treasure no longer here. The, the chairs are empty without my daughter and son, and all the rest that the Lord has called home. The birthdays, the holidays, and all other special occasions. So empty without them, so what is wrong with this equation? My kids should have not have died before me, but God must have needed them more than me. I begged and prayed, Lord, hear my plea. I don't see how this is possible when I sit at that table alone. I cry my heart out at my house, no longer the same home. I should be baking cakes and giving them a surprise party. Instead, I dread these days when I should be filling their bellies hearty with food and all things they so enjoyed, my precious only daughter and my little boy. While others look forward to these moments in time, I'm alone trying to make sense by my rhythm and rhymes. So many take for granted these special times, not knowing how a grieving parent feels half out of their minds. We now go through just the emotion of once was our lives, so empty are the chairs since our kids have died. Yes, we go on as hard as it, it as hard as it is for us all, who have lost our children and we still try and stand tall. We hold on by a thread with our belief that there are no tears in heaven and live with that with our grief. So the next time you see us post our children in memory, be thankful it isn't you without your kids in your in your destiny. Let us vent and cry and honor them too. We have nothing else left of them now to see us through. A lifetime of empty chairs at the table. And remember, we do this for us all to keep us stable. All right. Um, not everybody that listens to my show I know is um, Christian. I, you know, we accept people of all faith. Um, you know, I have some of my poetry that are Christian poems or poems about religion and, and spiritual spiritual poems. So... But, you know, I my board is lit up with a caller who'd like to talk, and let me bring them on the air. Um, there's like a five-second delay, so give me a chance to say hello to you um, before you say anything, because I'll miss who you are and where you're from and what you want to talk about. Okay, the area code, it's area code 619, and the last four numbers are 5243. Hold on, please. Good evening. Hi there. Hi there. Oh, hi. I am Donna from San Diego. Hello. Hi, Donna from San Diego. How can I help you this evening? Oh, but uh, you say that you um, you do messages or? Like yes, I do. I, but the, the tonight's show is about um, I don't know if you read it. Yeah, our my show is about grief, mostly people that have lost children. But we, you know, we deal with other people's grief, like a parent or a sibling or what have you. And yeah. tonight, I usually do my shows Tuesdays. Um, but yeah. this was kind of a special for people that have lost uh, family in 9-11 or right. what you were doing at that time because a lot of people are, of course, I'm sure at this point today, sick of watching the TV and all the memorials. So um, yeah. so what did, what did you want to ask? Uh, you want to give me a little bit of your story? Um, I don't really have a story. I, I, I mean, on that day, I, I slept through the whole thing. <laughs> as far oh, as did uh, you? That, uh, yeah, 9-11, I, yeah, I pretty much... And you know, but I did hear it. I didn't believe it. It was kind of, it was kind of, I mean, you know, something that you hear, and you're like, you're kidding, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, so. I think we were we were all in shock, and and actually, you know, some of us selfishly worrying about, oh my God, they're going to come get me too. You know, we didn't know if they were going to blow up the world at that point. You know. 
yeah. what were your feelings? Uh, you know, you know why I have you on the phone, and, and I'll tell you, I don't see the kind of intuitive I am. I don't go and say, okay, spirit, come to me. If they have a message for you, they'll come to me and tell me. And what I ask you to do, just in case it d- does happen while we're talking right now, um, what I'll ask of you is to um, get a pencil and paper. And okay. if I do come through with something, if it doesn't mean anything now, it usually means something later, and we kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together eventually, okay? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, and actually, I have um, I have someone going to be coming on the show shortly who's a um, from Arizona. He's a Baptist deacon, and um, I'm an author also, besides a radio show host, okay. and uh, he's an okay. author, and he just published a new book, put me in it, you know, one of his chapter 29 about you know psychic mediums and and how it's a gift from God from the from um, and tells how the Bible says that it's not evil like people think we are. So. Yeah. Just a cool okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I believe they're all, you know, tools for enlightenment. You know, just another way to connect and and um, get get some answers. Oh yes, that yes. Deserve. Yeah, I totally, I totally uh, disagree. It's now, can you tell have, uh, who who have you who have you lost close to you, sweetheart? Oh, I've lost everybody. It's my whole family, pretty much, except for my sister. Really, you know, like parents and siblings? Uh, yeah, yeah. I have a whole, I have a whole cheerleading. <laughs> Sure. Really? Uh, how, do you mind me asking, yeah. did it all happen at once, or sickness, or...? No, or... No. A lot of it was cancer, you know, from a lot of a lot of that, and just, just sickness. Mm-hmm. That happened. Yeah. So, well, tell me specifically, you lost both parents? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my dad and first. Who else? And who else? Sibling? I'm sorry? Uh, my dad, my dad first, and then my mom, and then, you know, my my um Grandparents, of course. Yeah, don't don't give me names because if they come through, okay. I'll give you the names. Okay, uh, you know don't I, I don't feed, feed the don't feed the intuitive. <laughs> this way, you know okay. we're real. Okay. All yeah. right, but you lost aunts and and parents and siblings also, or yeah. children, or. Um. Not. Um. I mean, there are there are there are. Uh, honey, are you on speakerphone? Because I'm having a hard time hearing you. Yeah, uh, I, I am. I am. Okay, can, can you? Because it it, it kind of like. Um, it doesn't work well on the show. Is there any way you can talk without it or not? So I can hear you better? Uh, I could try. I could try. Let me see. Let me just turn it down okay. volume. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I don't so, want you texting and driving and talking and driving either, so that's... Right. Could be an accident waiting to happen. Okay. Are you off it now? Uh, yeah. Okay. That sounds a little better. Okay. So you've lost both parents. Right, was it... Were they... Did you lose them close together? No, they were... My dad was, um, I was only 13 with my dad, and then... Was your dad military? Was, uh, was your dad in the military? Yeah, he was, or he, in, he took, yeah. Wait, he don't, don't feed for, me, don't feed me, just just oh, say yes or no. Sorry. Just say yes or no. No, 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 I'm not condemning you or yelling at you, yeah. or because the less you me. feed me, the more I get from them, okay? I do the same thing, because I'm a blabbermouth, and I don't read yeah. myself, I do get messages, you know, and I get signs, and I got some crazy stuff. Um, but I go to other people to be read also, and I'm I'm the first one just like this. Like I'm giving I'm giving them all the info, and I'm like they're like shop, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm yeah, just like yeah. everybody else, you know. I'm a normal person, I think. Right. Um, okay, let's see. I'll be getting to my uh, Kevin. I I think you're on the air now. Who's going to be my co-host for the rest of the show? Speaking of his book, so if you can hold on a little bit more, Kevin, I just want to sure. see if I can do something. Okay. Um, letting him know. And your first name again is what? My name is Donna. 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 Okay, Donna. Donna. Okay. 
Okay, so um, your dad was in the military. Was he um, was he active duty military, like Vietnam era or something? Um, not when he passed, but he was in. No, 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 no. Just when oh, I say yeah. something, yeah, was he in Vietnam? Yeah, he was. I believe so. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I'm getting a name. Um, Maury Maurice. Does that mean anything to you? Okay, you're I'm probably picking up. You're probably picking up his best friend that he's buried next to Murray. You're probably and that, that was Murray. His okay, okay. Murray. That's where he his oh. almost, Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. I got. Ch- yeah. Well, you know what? I got chills. Wow. That's the touch of the angel. It means your wow. dad's with yeah. me. Okay, I don't always get the exact name. Sometimes I just see a big letter. So I was getting Murray. Maury Maurice. So it's Murray. Well, Murray. I wonder why he, uh, yeah, I wonder why his friend summoned that the name of his friend. No, that's, you know, says, okay, let me explain to you. When they, the names start coming out like this, that's just your dad's val- that's validations. Oh, you know? Okay. That's just validating. Oh, it's like, hello, Donna, I'm here, you know? And by giving me that yeah, name, one of yeah. you would know that because not everybody's got a friend named Murray or Maury or Maurice. Maury, okay? yeah. Murray, I don't yeah. know any friends named Maury. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Okay. Um, let's see what else I can get on him. I'm seeing trucks. Was he a truck driver? He. I mean, he's had like El Caminos, but not a, not not a big rig. No. No, I mean for professionally. What did he do? Like I'm seeing no, trucks, school bus. He, did he? I'm sorry. Uh, he. He was a rancher. He raised cattle. He beef industry. Okay, remember, don't yeah. no, don't give me too much info. So he oh, did drive like crackers and stuff, right? I would imagine, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um, he's giving me a link now. You're you said you're in San Diego, right? I am. You're in San Diego. Okay, I'm seeing a yeah. link to Colorado for some reason. Does that mean anything? Well, I lived there for for a year, or not even a year. Actually, just three months. Oh, so okay. So you're in San Diego, but you did. Yeah. So he's validating I, again I did, that. I was, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, it doesn't matter. But you lived in Colorado. Yeah. He was showing me Colorado. All right. Let's see what else he's got me. Like I said, these are just validation. He's around you. Yeah. Um, who did he call sissy? I don't know. Sis. He has one Sis. sister, Sis. but I don't know. I don't know if he called her that. Okay. Write it yeah. down. Write it down. Okay. Remember, I said if it doesn't okay. mean anything, it could it will right. validate later because I've done that and I did it with my medium yeah. that I go to. Yeah. Uh, two three years later, you know, because we record our sessions, and all yeah. of a sudden three years later, it's like for three years it was bugging me, and I'm like, oh my god, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden it meant something. I'm like, aha! I had right. an Oprah aha moment, you know. I know I'm funny. <laughs> Okay, so we've gotten that he saw, you know, that you had lived in Colorado. He was in the service, Vietnam Connected, and he's buried next to his friend by the name, pretty close to what I said. Mm-hmm. And and the trucking, you said he was a rancher, but, he, you know, maybe mm-hmm. it was tractors. I, I would just see him driving some equipment mm-hmm. in his line of work. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, being he was a rancher, of course, there were horses there. Um, I mean, oh, well, yeah, I'm sure there was. Yeah. Okay, or, you know what, he, did you, okay, you don't have to answer this, okay, because sometimes they give me stuff that's TMI. Yeah. Was your dad a gambler? Did he like to gamble or play cards or Um, gamble? Yeah, he, I'm sure, yeah, he, uh uh-huh. Okay, okay. Yeah, he's kind of showing me Kenny Rogers on the gambler. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Well, I'm wondering yeah, if you're yeah. picking up on my step. I wonder if you're picking up on my stepdad because I have a. Don't say the name. Don't say the name. Okay, um, you might be picking up on him. This name comes up a lot. I'm, I'm getting you a name, George. Does George mean anything? Um, no, George. But when you say, okay, because okay, no, no, George. 
Uh-uh. Okay, go ahead. You can tell me. You used to what? Oh, well, I was just going to say, because can I tell you my stepdad's name? Because he raised me. Is it close to George? Much... Or... No, no, no. It was close. To kind of not. It kind of sounds like more. It's Leroy. More. I don't know. Leroy. Maury. I don't know if that has any. No, know. no, no. The, the, you, you said okay, that the okay, friend that he's was, buried uh, to. Now that, now that's so. that's kind of been solved. No. That's mm. a little off. Okay. All right. No, 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 no. Kenny no. Rogers. He listened to him all the time. Oh, who who did Leroy listen to Kenny Rogers? Uh-huh, yeah, but maybe my dad, my, my dad might have, too. Well, see, you know what? Uh, my show is about synchronicity, too. And yeah, I don't know yeah. if you know what that means. Um, synchronicity yes. means that I could be having one come through and the other will come through, mm-hmm. so the messages are interlinked. So yeah. even though I'm hearing that your real dad was maybe a gambler or like gambling, Leroy, well, both, you know which I don't, Leroy like Kenny Rogers, so that's why that name came yeah. up. Okay? Yeah. My because dad. they all try to come through. Now, are they both on the other side? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Let me see what else I'm getting. Um, okay. Wow. Um, okay. Now I'm hearing another singer, um, Glenn Campbell, okay. Rhinestone Cowboy. Okay, that that, that, that that could be either or. They're both. They were both in the country. They were, you know. Oh, they're both in the country music. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. I'm a, I'm a Rhinestone Cowboy. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, uh-huh. I guess I think the validation is that what it is that yeah. your dad is yeah. around you. Of course, they love you. Yeah. And even yeah. if, you know, I want to just tell you something, Donna. People say, well, how yeah. they love me? They treat me like crap over here. There's no, no. crap over there. Love is no. um, universal and unconditional. Yeah. And people can be the worst of the worst over here on this side. Yeah. But when they go over there, it's complete love and yeah. peace. So, yeah. and they try to make amends for what they do, because that's what we do when we come here. We come here to learn mm-hmm. lessons and good. to learn love, complete love. That's my whole idea mm-hmm. of life. You know, I'm not God. I don't have all the answers. I'll know mm-hmm. when I get there, but that's, I think, in general, people should realize that it's all about love. And so mm-hmm. that's, I think, um, maybe not much of a validation, but we did get some validation. And your dad's just yeah. letting you know, and, and I guess your stepdad, that he's yeah. around you. And, yeah. um what, who's in the healthcare field? Did you work in as a home health aide or something? I, I mean, I'm, I, I, I do that now. I do. Um, I take care of an elderly lady. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's going to that. And my sister okay. actually, you know, what my sister does. My sister is too. So okay. Well, well, there it is. I mean, he sees what you're doing. Yeah. So he was telling me home health yeah. aide. Yeah, good. so they, they, they some pretty good validation. Yeah, huh? they did come through, didn't they? That's yes, cool. they did. Well, he's around you. He loves you, you know. Oh. And um, he, what the heck is he telling me something? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He's one oh, last oh. thing, and then I'm going to get to Kevin, my co-host. Okay. And we're going to be talking about his new book. If okay. you want to hold, and like I said, we usually do a show every Tuesday. I've been a little lax <laughs> oh. with the summer and some things going on, so you know you can Tuesday nights try to chime in, you know. And uh, you can get readings, and you know, again, you know, they're all free. Okay. So. Okay. Um, he's telling me, um, he's calling you Messy Marvin. <laughs> me? Did he always? Yeah. Somebody he's calling Messy Marvin. That 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 he's la- he's kind of laughing about it. Who was like well, really kind of like scattered? Well, scattered with like I doing. Know, this, me, I mean, my just sister, never. His la- his middle his middle name is Marvin. That's funny. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. who, uh, how how would have yeah. who would have thunk? How would have known that? Right. Right. That's, That's a good okay. validation. And maybe he's yeah, talking about here. himself. <laughs> was he was he a slob at times? Well, you know, men. You know, yeah, it can be. Oh, listen. Yeah. I have relatives that are. They could be um, in good housekeeping magazines. 
<laughs> not all men. Yeah, yeah the majority of them are. Yeah. The majority of them. Well, there you go. That's, that. I'm going to seal off. I mean, so you cool. can still listen to the show. I'm going to bring Kevin on. But okay. Messy That's Marvin, cool. he's letting you know he's here. Oh, cool. Thank you so much. That's okay. Great. So, Donna, thank I hope I uh, gave you some peace tonight. God yeah, bless, honey. I'm going to put listen. you back on yeah, hold. thank you. Have a great have a great weekend. God bless you. Bye-bye. You too, sweetheart. Thanks for calling. I'm going to put you on hold if you want to listen. And my, all my shows are archived. You can go to any show, anytime to hear them again and hear yourself on the radio. Okay? Sounds good. Thank you. Okay, God bless. Okay, good night. Okay, bye-bye. Okay. Okay, Kevin, let's see. I'm putting Donna on hold. My computer's doing wacko things again, as usual. Okay, Kevin, I hope this is you. Do you hear me, it, well, I am, but my um, my what we're going. I think Melanie's here with us tonight, of course, because of the book. Because we're having oh, yeah. electrical difficulties, I can't even type now. I just want to let you know if you're on chat, you're going to just have to listen or call in because I cannot um, I cannot type at the moment. <laughs> my type typing just went down. How are you, Kevin? I'm great. Can you hear me, okay, Peggy? Yeah, you're not on speaker, right? No, I'm on my regular phone. Um, Oh, okay. They didn't have me a prompt to call to talk to the host, so I was, you know, undecided as to whether I was being able to be heard. Oh, no, no, you're fine. Because no, I can even bring you on if you don't even want to talk to me. Sometimes I do that because some people forget <laughs> to press the one, one key. So sometimes they come on, it's like, oh, I'm just listening, and then, then I bring somebody through. I don't know if you heard this last reading, but I thought it was a pretty good one. You know, I love um, it, especially when you get an unusual name like Marvin. You know, it's not Joe or Frank or Mike or anything common. Yeah, you know, well, and the uh, and the other one, the um, Maury, and she said that he's buried right next to him as his best friend. So <laughs> that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Well, and of course, too, you know, sometimes a name like Maurice, you know, sometimes they just call themselves Murray as a nickname. Yeah, yeah. So that's like I said, and you know, I'm sure Mel and Melanie did it too. That we're not always exact on the names. You know, it's pretty close. You know, and um, you know, sometimes we're spot on. Like the Marvin, I'm like, why is he showing me messy Marvin? And she goes, well, I don't know. I'm not messy, but his middle name is Marvin. I'm like, how many people got a middle name Marvin? You know. <laughs> well, Melanie herself used to come up with variations, like you'll read in the book that said, you know, this guy, you know, I'm getting an Ed or an Edward. You know, right. and, and when she was talking to the skeptic, you know, in our second group reading. Right. So it was okay, common well, for her, you know, to realize that. Well, Kevin, this is probably, what, the fifth or sixth time you've been on the show over two years now? I don't know exactly well, anymore. Just, I, I, I know it's eighth right now because the last time it was 7-7, seven, seven, and it was my seventh appearance. <laughs> oh, wow, cool. All right. Well, that's my number. My birthday just passed. Now, last Monday, uh, it was seven. It's my lucky number. Yes. Yeah. So, anyhow, and and I, well, I found it um, too bad you couldn't have put that book off one more day. <laughs> <laughs> Your book actually came out the day before my birthday. What a blessing. And uh, I loved uh, You know, I, I bought the Kindle. I know there's some things that you said you need to revise. I don't know. You'll have to talk to Amazon about that as far as, um, you know, we all have editing issues even after our books are published. I still have stuff in mind that I'd like to go back and re-edit. So, you know, sometimes you just have to work around it, you know. But they let you – I think they do let you revise. But I don't think once you bought it, they, they will – the corrections will come. But that's something you'll have to ask them, Okay. Um, Kevin, you know, I'm going to be quiet, which, you know, is like hard for me, so I'm about ready to put the duct tape on. Um, (laughs) 
Okay, I do it to myself now. Um, Kevin, um, tell us um, for for our listeners right now, some that may not know you, uh, give us a briefing about yourself, um, who you are, uh, both books that you've written, um, the reason, you know, and, and you know, like a short synopsis of it of, you know, who you are and what you're doing and how you're working for the Lord, and then we'll discuss uh, someone of Melanie's book. Okay. Well, for the ones who have not heard this before on your shows, uh, I um, have been teaching Bible classes in the Southern Baptist Church uh, for about 20 years. I also was ordained as a deacon in 1999, and how I came into the whole realm of the psychic um, uh, thing was because in 1975, it was uh, just about 40 years ago that uh, I wanted to start a conversation to ask a girl out who turned out to be a psychic or she was a precognitive person and you know every time she said something it came true and i was beginning to wonder you know, how does this happen what's the way does, does this work um i asked a couple of youth leaders at our church at that time i says well what do you think of somebody who knows what's going to happen before it happens and they said i think i'd stay away from a person like that that's not of god well, I didn't see anything not of God about this girl I liked. You know, she she had received Christ as her Lord and Savior. So I got me into digging a little deeper into the subject, finding out, well, first of all, I thought, is, is the Bible even actually the true Word of God? I researched that, came to the conclusion it definitely was. So at that point, I had to research a little further. Um a few years later, uh, I met my wife, and it turned out that she was empathic. She also reads arts and crafts. She, uh, there's a few other things, but, uh, you know, this time, uh, you know, I had a more vested interest in understanding, you know, how does psychic ability work, what makes it stronger, what makes it weaker, when mm-hmm. um, are ideal things, you know. And, you know, by the time that I met Melanie in 2010, I was actually... Let me back up a little bit. Um, in 2009, when I first heard of Facebook and I got on it, I found it was very easy then to, you know, make friend requests to psychics and mediums and to be able to just gently ask them questions about these things. And many of them were very surprised when they found out that I was a Christian, that I was not, you know, slamming the Bible down their throat. Uh, mm-hmm. and telling them this is evil, this is wrong. And uh, I said, you know, in fact, in Melanie's case, I said, uh, why should I say that? I said, Jesus himself communicated with spirits. You read it in 1 Peter three eighteen through 20, and I said in John fourteen twelve, he says that anyone who believes in him will do what he has been doing. So right there, you have mm-hmm. two verses that said that, yes, there will be followers of Christ who are mediums. Um First Corinthians twelve eight says that you know a person you know will receive knowledge from the right. Holy Spirit, and if it's not through your normal channels, you know that's the same thing as psychic ability. It's the gaining of information and knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. There's much more to it than this, and I've said this in my first book, and I continue a little bit in the in the book about Melanie, although it is not as yeah heavy on scripture as the first book was, but it still contained everything Melanie's wishes were, which is to back up her gifts with the fact that they'd been done in the Bible, just as you heard me do on the show here for a moment. Right, right. Well, let's give a briefing also. You you did a first book. 
the name of the book, and of course, both books are on Amazon, people. So, and I've posted the. Uh, you can go to Amazon and type in Kevin Schopel, S C H O E P P E L, right? Yes. And his books will come up, and um, wow. Um, I'm sorry. Somebody's typing me. They're trying to a friend of mine actually trying to call into the show, and it's, she can't call in. So, if anybody else is having problems, I don't know. Again, the number is three four seven eight three eight nine two zero one. And uh, try again is all I can say because I don't know what's going on. We know we have electrical problems. Like I can type on screen, which is kind of hard for me to do while I'm doing the show. So I just typed your back that way. Um, so if anybody's having problems, uh, you know, listen over the internet. I guess I, I don't know what else to say. Um, I'm doing the best I can here. Uh, it says uh, she's saying, well, it's saying it's non-working the number. Um, so I don't know what's going on. Did you have a trouble calling into Kevin or what? No, I actually did not. Uh, and you know, simply said, you know, uh, you will now be listening to the show. And uh, of course, I, you know, I came in about midway through your last caller. You know, who was talking about, you know the name Marvin or Murray. Right. Uh, and I had no problems myself. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, of course, as you've said, it's it's been true that Melanie herself has affected electronics and not usually oh, in gotcha. a super adverse way, but basically she said that her she and her husband had to have a budget for blowing light bulbs every time oh, that yeah, she well, would you know, overjoyed I... on one hand or upset on the other hand. Oh yeah, something yeah, like yeah. you know, light bulbs would start blowing in their home. Well, that's what I tell people: don't kill the messenger here, because I only get the messages. Um, I can't control when what the board does or what the electronics does. And I actually have been doing a study on this lately because I found it very interesting the the uh, the energy fields, you know. And because uh, I have a very close friend that lives close by who's very intuitive, and she is so um, energized. <laughs> She can't even use the ATM machine. She has to have her husband do it. She cannot touch it. It doesn't work for her. She also, every time she walks under a streetlight, and I've been with her, I've seen it, witnessed it, the streetlights go out. That blew me away. I mean, even though I do this, it gives me the EBGBs when I see this. So, And, of course, now my typing board, and I'd have to close everything down, unplug my computer for it to come up. So the only way I can type is on-screen typing, and it's hard to do because then I can't see the show and everything else, so it's kind of hard. But I did message this friend back and say, don't kill me. I swear in my life it has nothing to do with me. Your number has not come up here. So I just want to let the people know. So, Okay, now let's get back to your books, Kevin. Uh, we have about uh, – 37 minutes left of the show. Um, the names of both books now, your first and the newest. Okay, the first book was called The Bible, The Truth About Psychics and Spiritual Gifts, uh, which was right. released about two years ago. And then just this week, the second book, which is called Melanie, A Christian Medium's Life and Her Gifts of Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that Actually, book basically Melanie, tells... Okay. It's, it's a lot more than that. It it. You know, it, it's not your standard autobiography or biography of a, of a medium, but it, it's right. a mishmash which contains, you know, first me doing the biographical, but it also has her, you know, with material that she wrote to me and also some that she intended for the book before she passed away. So she's actually, mm-hmm. you know, talking to the to the readers about her abilities um, mm-hmm. in this, telling of her first experiences, telling of what strange things have happened, like, you know, electronics, she got on one of the ride, uh, the riding shopping carts, 
and it started taking off and rammed into a display. They went to go turn it off and found that it was already off. It had been off and it had never been turned on. Really? You know, wow. These kind of stories are in there of her abilities. So, you know, I had a time I call, called on the cell phone and I got no answer, so I called her house phone and she said, you can't call the cell phone for a while. She said, I had an argument with my husband and I forgot that I was holding my phone and I fried it. Really? That can actually yeah, happen? That's, that actually happened. Uh, that that incident's not in the book, but uh, you know, the, you know, she had things happen. Um, the very first time I was on Signs Our Love One Send Us, your show, uh, mm. fifteen months ago, uh, you know, the blue tone, or as I was, I call it from Facebook, kept repeatedly mm. occurring in that show with Mark Ireland as your guest. Right. And that had been one of my first signs of her, you know, and I wrote back to you about that. But what had happened the very first time, the Monday morning following her passing, I had I'd been trying to get used to the fact of just speaking openly to someone who has passed. Uh, I, I was not used to doing it. And right. I was in the car. It was 520 in the morning. And I said, you know, Melanie, I said, I'm just trying to get used to this. But I got to think, I said, you're not omnipresent like the Lord. I said, how do I know, even know you're hearing this or that you've chosen to be somewhere else where people are more awake? Well, mm-hmm. I forgot about my conversation. I got to the office and I unlocked the door, turned off the alarm, and I went into the kitchen to warm up a breakfast sandwich before doing anything else like punching in for the day. And I was mm-hmm. just sitting there, and I heard that bloop tone like from Facebook, and I ran out mm-hmm. to the front office, looked at the workstations. Everyone was completely shut down. They weren't on energy saving or sleep mode or anything. Wow. They were completely wow. shut off. There was no mobile devices, no tablets, nothing that could have been making the noise. Mm-hmm. And I got to thinking about it. I thought, okay, it is unusual, but what does it mean? I thought a blue tone means you have received a message. Right. And that's, what, that's it. That was what I was talking about in the car to Melanie openly is how do I know you're even getting a message? Oh, wow. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, I have um, two people that I pretty much trend. The one that just tried calling, she says she's tried again and she can't get through it saying it's a non-working number. I don't know. I swear on the Bible, God, I swear, and I don't like swearing to the Lord, but um, I swear it has nothing to do with me. Um, but I, I had to call the phone company today because these two people, one local, one in another state, I've been having trouble with communication with the phone. The phone's been hanging up or uh, in the middle of a conversation, and then they, then they can't hear me. So I actually today, again, because I don't, I'm not saying everything is a sign for my loved ones, because I do check things out first, even the electronic stuff. I called my phone company today, and I told them, I said I had to call them from my cell phone. I said, my home phone, I can hear people, but they can't hear me. And it's been happening on and off, you know, intermittently. intermittently. And um, and he says, well, I don't know what's going on. I guess it can happen. He says, let me, and he rebooted my service, and then he called me, and then it was working. So he says, well, let's see how it goes, okay? And, I'm, of course, what am I going to say? Oh, by the way, I'm the um, host of Sandra Love One Sentence. It's probably from the other side, you know? He really didn't have an explanation, but it did start working again. But I've gotten people mad at me because of this, and it's like, uh, like uh, it's not my fault, you know? Just like my friend trying to go in here now. She seems a little upset, and I'm like, uh, it's, I swear to you, it's not coming up. 
you know, I can take a picture of the board and show you. I have no control over that. The, the, the show controls it, you know. Um, I don't know why this happens. I, I really don't. I don't get it. It, it. it perturbs me a little bit at times, too, you know, this electronic uh, craziness, you know. And you've well, seen things that I've posted. Has, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that uh, has happened, and it, not only with Melanie, but with other people have told me this, is that, you know, in, in the book, as an example, it's a story of how Melanie and her husband were watching TV, and the channels just started changing on them. And he said, are you messing with the remote? She held her hands up in the air and said, no, I'm not messing with the remote. And it's just, she said to her husband, do you want to see something? And he said, okay, what? And then she faced the television. She says, I know you're here. Please stop messing with the channels. And it all stopped. Mm-hmm. And this is also really? been told to me. One, we had a, a family of five boys that we were the 4-H leaders of way back when they were younger. Well, now mm-hmm. in the 2000s, they're up in their 30s, but one of the brothers passed away. And right. and the oldest of the brothers, he says that whenever his garage door starts opening all, all by itself or the horn starts honking, he'll say, Johnny, I know you're mm-hmm. there. You can stop now, and every bit of it will stop. Wow. Well, maybe I should say that, you know, I don't know if she's listening from another way, uh, who's ever screwing with my board right now or screwing with my phone uh, lines, um, would you please stop because it's causing problems? So I'm going to ask her to try again if she wants, um, you know, because she seems kind of upset. (laughs) And I swear it has nothing to do with me. So, you know. What am I supposed to do? I can't, you know... Well, I can always acknowledge the fact that Melanie is probably right here listening as this is the very first show discussing her book. So I will say that, yes, we know you're here. And, okay. You know, well, Melanie, you know what? Cut us some slack and let the people call yeah. in, please. <laughs> please, Melanie. You know, we we want them to hear. We want their input. Okay, Kev, let's, let's go back to the new book. Let's uh, tell the listeners because we have about a half an hour left. Let's uh, get the yes. name of the new book. Um, and what it's about. Okay. It's called Melanie, A Christian Medium's Life in Her Gifts of Spirit. Um, mm-hmm. Melanie picked that title with the exception of her name at the lead part of it. She picked that title herself uh, in the at the end of 2013 before she passed away. And I decided to keep that title to honor her choice. But as it is, it's not your average life story of the medium. It's not an autobiography. It's not an autobiography. It's a little bit of both, but it's also got, you know, uh, chapters where I've gone back to the Bible and discussed her abilities and discussed the biblical backing for them. Um, I've also shared um, in their chapters the last four, which is one of the chapters you're in, but those chapters deal with her afterlife and the signs that she's still around, that fact that she was still, you know, inspiring and helping me with making choices regarding the book. I would, I spent over a, over half the time, in other words, about nine months of the 18 months, just going through 2,000, you know, Word document pages of, of discussions of our chats, postings mm-hmm. from the, the group that we have in Facebook, messages from others, messages between Melanie and others. And a lot of times I would just simply say, you know, do I keep this, trash it, modify it, or or what? Uh, And I would go with what felt the strongest to me. But it was a long labor. I I wrote one chapter starting 12 days after her passing. That was the first chapter. And then I got busy on, on 
going through all of those pages and, again, having to let the Lord guide me, although I'm mm-hmm. sure Melanie herself was, but I would often pray and say, Lord, what do you want in this book? And the mm-hmm. big focus of it entirely is to say, you can serve the Lord Jesus Christ with psychic and medium gifts. He's the one that put them there. Now, I go into the big mm-hmm. discussion of that in my first book, but I still touch right. on it in the second one. And I mm-hmm. say, here's someone who's done it. She, you know, she right. wasn't one to go around saying cliches like praise the Lord, but she was one who was devoted to doing what Jesus Christ told us to do um, and was an example of someone who brought comfort, encouragement, um, and inspiration to people, you know, the way Jesus himself would. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, you know, used the gifts that the Lord gave her, you mm-hmm. know, and made believers of people that, you know, this is true. But she made sure, and she was very conscious of this in her group readings, that she was glorifying Christ and not just there to give readings. You know, and one time in her last reading, she said, I sure hope they didn't just come for the reading, but that they came to understand that I work for the Lord. Yep, which I've also stated, and you've, you know, with your... um your review on my on Amazon, you said that too. That I think people think I'm just doing this for ego, or like, well, look what I can do. Uh, uh-uh. uh, it's about work, and it, it took me how many years, Kevin? Um, you know, fifty, sixty. I mean, I came out at sixty years old. I've always had the gift, feared it because I was a Christian, and I was being told that it's wrong and it's up evil and it's no good, and and it's it's these things that are happening are the devil manifesting as my loved ones and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And it scared me. I'm not going to lie, but I really felt in my soul that, okay, it's time. I have to do it to help others to heal, you know. And you know, I've, like any other, and um, we were talking about Alison DeBose last night uh, from the show The The Medium. Uh, She's on my site. We're not like best friends, but she did. I've been going on and off, up and down, like a, a roller coaster with the mocking and even locals, people that knew me. You know, they think I'm a scam artist. Well, I'm not scamming anybody because I'm not taking any money, so how am I scamming anybody? Um, they think I'm full of baloney. Um, you know, I'm not going to say the words that they use, but I'll call it baloney. Yeah, it's, it's been brutal. I've been um, burnt at the stake, <laughs> so to speak. And then I thought back, and yeah, I, you know what? I want to tell people, I'm human too. Yeah, I'm a nice person, but I got a temper at times too. I'm human. We all do. You know, and there's so much when push comes to shove that you can take from people. And I will vent my feelings about things. I may be wrong. I'm human. I, I make mistakes. I'm the first to admit it. You know, so I got put down for that. It's like, well, you're, you should be more professional. Well, I'm not a professional anything. I'm a grieving mom and lost many others who, of my heart, gave myself to others that going through it just to give them a place to vent and get messages. So that doesn't make me professional. It makes me just like you. Sometimes they forget that I'm also a grieving mother of, of two, not just one. Well, you look two. at it this way. Jesus didn't pick the professionals, did he? He picked uneducated fishermen because mm-hmm. he says in Acts chapter 4, he says, you know, they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled uh, ordinary mm-hmm. men, and then realized that they had been with Jesus. It was a sign that the Lord is doing the empowering when he takes a person like yourself, Peggy, and says, I'm going to use this person to sh- to build up the grieving people of the world. She is going to be my tool. 
yes, she's not a professional, but I never worked with professionals. And you see this throughout the Bible. He called Amos, who was a sheep herder. He chose Jeremiah when he was just a teenager. Uh, he didn't choose professionals to do that work. Exactly. Yeah. And, well, that's, you know, and that's kind of where I kind of went, because I went back after being hurt, and I mean, really, it hurt me. To the point I was going to shut the show down there, I said, you know what, why am I giving so much of myself and then getting hurt so much? Because I'm in pain, too. And I'm like, should I really continue this? This is ridiculous. You know, this is, it was making me physically ill. And then I thought back, and then the torn spirituality kicked back in, Kevin. I said, you know what? Jesus Christ was hung on that cross, had nails in his hands and, and, and his feet because people didn't believe he was the Son of God. And I am nowhere near the Son of God. I, don't, don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. I'm at his feet. I'm at his mercy. Okay? But on the same time, I could understand what he felt because he was mocked. He's still being yes. mocked in this generation. You know what? So um, if the Son of God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, can be mocked... Um, and, and pay for our sins by what he went through on the cross, then I as a human being um, also, because uh, he was human also while he was here, I have to suffer maybe some pain for gain to gain uh, the, the kingdom of the Lord, you know? So, you know, people can whip me, beat me, mentally abuse me, whatever, do whatever you want to do, because, you know what, I answer to one person, it's God, and I know what I do, and I know the truth. So that's what brought well, me Jesus back. Jesus himself me. said, Peggy, he said, you know, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you too. He says this in John chapter 16, Acts chapter 4. They rejoiced that they'd been counted worthy to suffer with Christ. So mm-hmm. to me, that's a big sign that you're actually doing exactly what the Lord wants you to be doing, Peggy. Yep, yep. Well, I've questioned it. I'm, I'm, I, well, I think I, everyone I has it. a time or two. We, we have a society well, that's, that's I, that doesn't talk yeah, about Yeah, I just this. want to go work quickly back to Alison DeBose. Um, during this sure. uh, most recent stuff when I was being mocked, one of the worst, it was really bad. I mean, to being called names and, oh, it was brutal. And these are people that I knew. Um, Alison DeBose wrote me. I guess she could feel me. I don't know whether intuitively, but must have seen my post. And a woman like her, I mean, that she's a professional. That's what I call a professional. I don't claim to be a professional anything, but a grieving mom. Um... When she took the time out to write me and say that even the most uh, professional, or what they call professional, people like her that the TV show was about, gets mocked. I felt like it's a sign from the Lord telling me, Peg, you're not alone. You're not alone. So exactly. that kind of brought me back to reality that, you know, you know, you hear things too on people, Teresa Caputo, John Edwards, all these other famous you know, that are getting paid the big bucks, you know, and, and whatever. I'm not saying it's wrong to take the money. I mean, do whatever you got to do. You know, I just haven't as of yet. And not saying I never will. I don't know yet. I don't know. And when I feel it's right, maybe it's right, you know. But I have no gain from this. I'm not gaining anything. I'm not gaining a clientele. I have I have clientele now willing to pay me. I'm not doing it. I do it for free stuff. So, you know, there's no gain here. There's no financial gain, you know. Believe me or not, I that, that I swear on the stack of Bibles also. You know, but I shouldn't have to um, do that because if you don't believe in me, then you don't need to be in my life. You know, if you don't believe that I'm telling you the truth, then what can I tell you? That's on you. It's not on me. I, I know. I know. Well, I people will... who didn't believe Jesus either. You know, John eight twenty. So the the Pharisees tell him, he said, "Aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon?" 
John 9, 16, they said, this man's not of God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Well, he did keep it. He just didn't keep their petty regulations regarding it. You know, mm-hmm. this opposition for someone who is of God, who is going to be doing his work, goes all the way back to Jesus and the Pharisees. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's, you know you, you're definitely on the right track, and I think that was wise advice from Allison, that, you know, we're going to get opposition if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing for the Lord. Exactly, exactly. And people know, I mean, you know, people say, well, I don't believe in the devil. Well, I'm not saying to believe in him, of him. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. We're, why, why are all that? Everybody blames God for everything. Well, if he's so powerful, then why, why does, why do our children die? Why do we, we die? Why do this? Why do, yada, yada, yada. Well, you know what? I've sat and I thought about that question, Kevin, and I'm going to tell you my, my hypothesis on it. I'm a mom. And even my sick kids, you you had to make rules and regulations as much as it hurt you, okay? Yes. We don't always make the right decision. I'm not saying that God, of course, he know all, you know, of everything, the universe, life, you know, everything. But, you know, if you really do get into the Bible and read it, and I'm not a big, you know, um, I can't do quotes of you here and there. I mean, you, you are the, the scholar on that. But <laughs> what I do get out of the Bible is that, um, you know, um, that he, you know, he he made us uh, to do without sin, and he told us, warned us, for whatever reason, with the, starting with the beginning in Genesis of Adam and Eve, that ate the forbidden fruit, you know, and we continue to eat the forbidden fruit, and I don't know why our children are taken. Um, I believe that God doesn't do it, that, you know, he gave his uh, his angel, which was Satan, um, right? He was he was one of his angels at one point. And he gave him roost of the land, you know, rule of the land, too. And, um, and, and, and he went against him, you know, and um, and that's what life is about. We're fighting that other force. And I don't know why God being more powerful, but I guess we can't question his reasons for this, you know. We, I, I still did, too. Like, you know, I've gotten mad at him. Like, why did you take my kids? Oh, my God. What is wrong? I, You know, I hate you. I hate you. I went through a phase like that. You know, I almost turned my back on spirituality and religion at one point. I'm going to be honest about it. But then something brought me back uh, to it. And my minister, actually, and I told him my feelings, and I was hysterical. And, he, you know, he said to me, Peg, God's love is unconditional. You chose to leave him. He has never left you. That was the most powerful statement that I ever heard in my life. His love is unconditional. And I felt bad when I said, I don't want nothing to do. And this is way back. This is when Meg was a teenager, one of her first major hospitalizations, you know. And I'm sitting there, and I felt so alone, and and I was so mad at God. And I'm like, why are you doing this? And you're not really there. And I'm talking to a man that I'm telling that's not really there, you know. You know, and it was in those days of there is no God, God is dead type of deal, you know. And then all of a sudden it took just one man, a very good minister I had, I love Paul, to come to the hospital just at the right time to say that to me. So that was his intervention again. I've never left you. You chose to leave me. It's your free will. I'm here if you want me. And that's what I tell people, too, that, you know, have mocked me and put me down. Um, Even the ones that have put me down, if there ever came a time, and God forbid, I don't wish child loss on anybody, even my worst enemies, okay? But there may come a time, it may happen, and and they'll understand. And they may need somebody like me, or they may need me. I won't turn my back on them. 
As much as they did right. to me, I thought about it. I won't turn my back on them. I won't. I'm not sitting here like, oh, holier than thou, and you know that I'm better. I'm not. I'm no better than anybody. I'm just. I'm just like every other Joe out there, if you want to call that. You know, yeah. I don't pretend to be something I'm not. I'm just a human being that's had a lot of pain and trying to take the, you know, my quote unquote lemons and turning them into lemonade. You know, and um, yeah. that's all I can do. I, you know, what uh, I can only do what I can do, and I'm there for you if you need me. If you ever go through it, even if you've hurt me, I'm still gonna be there. You know, I'm gonna be. Well, you definitely were there for me <laughs> over that time that I was still kind of floundering with the grief, you know, over Melanie, mm-hmm. you know, you, you were there. You were you were right there for me. And by the way, I want to share the scripture reference to what you've said. Hebrews 13, okay. 5 and 6, he says, Keep your lives free from love and money, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, we can confidently say, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Mm-hmm. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, uh, in case anybody says, well, where does it say that in the Bible, that the Lord will never leave us or forsake That's us? That's beautiful. Thank, thank you, Kevin, for that, because really, he doesn't. He doesn't. And like I said, you know, for people think I'm lying or, or doing this or doing whatever they think I'm doing it for, you know what? I can't let you rent space in my head because of it, because that's that's you own that. I don't have to... Um, I don't have to participate in what you own, you know. I don't have to be part of it, and I have because yeah. I am still human. I get mad. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I get mad. I get mad. I get upset with people, you know. I wouldn't be human if I didn't, you know. <laughs> but then well, I think again, go back, and I go back to Jesus on the cross when he looks at you know, the the the, the two to the side and saying, "Father, forgive me for they." And here, they set him up. You know, he got set up. And he's saying, God, you know, Lord, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And I'm probably saying it wrong. You have, you can say it better than me because you are versed in the Bible. Well, it's just very close. And don't, don't, don't forget too that you know whatever is translated from Armenian to English never mm-hmm. is an exact word for word translation anyway. That's why we have these different right. versions of the Bible. So yeah, when you say Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Uh, that's close enough. That's that's exactly what was intended there. And. Uh, yeah. You know, yep. it's, you know, and the fact is, I, I realized myself once that the people he forgave never once asked for that forgiveness. They, they never said, mm-hmm. will you forgive me for having nailed you to the cross? They never did. Jesus mm-hmm. forgave them anyway. Yep. Yep, and that's where I'm I'm trying to do this, too. Like, so if people are out there mocking me and thinking I'm lying or whatever, go with it. Go with it. You know, I, that's your free will. But I also have my free will, and I know what I'm doing. And when I stand in judgment and you be there before, after, or at the same time with me, you'll hear the truth. You'll hear the truth and say, oh, I'm sorry. Well, maybe you'll say, oh, I'm sorry for what I said to you back then. We all have to, like I said, judge me here. Go ahead. Judge me. Make my day, like I said, because I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing, and I'm not going to let anybody um, take that away. Okay, take no one's going to take me from me anymore, and people have tried to do that. I, I struggled for years with the gift, uh, not knowing what it was, uh, thinking myself I was crazy. It scared me. I'm not going to lie. It scared me. But then you get to a point where you get that little whisper from, from spirit, you know, from spirit. I call him God. I don't just call him spirit. I'm God. And saying, this is what I gave you to do, my you know, my daughter. This is what I gave you to do. Do it. Use it. Use it. You know, there's going to be people that mock you. And then you, right after me starting the show, and I was still kind of, 
you know, I just got on the show basically to give people a place to vent. It wasn't even going to be about me doing readings, and it all had happened from the first show. It just happened, and he showed me the way what I was, what my purpose was, you know. And all of a sudden, every I kind of got a piece because um, a piece that I never had before, saying, "Oh, okay, now I get it. This is what I've been tormented with for years, and and it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing, you know." And then you came along with your book and helped so many other with my gift. And, of course, Melanie was the um, the woman behind all the books, you know. So she obviously, when she left this earth, um, you know, what, almost, what, two years ago now? Was it, oh, was it um, a year ago in March, right? Actually, a, a year and a half ago on your birthday. That what? Okay, she left. No, no, not on my birthday. No, that's not my birthday. No, no, that, that was Christmas. No, she but you passed know, away you said on March seventh, and you know what? They still, yeah. Go ahead. Okay, it was March seventh of twenty fourteen. So your birthday this week marked exactly a year and a half. Oh, a year and a half. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's yes. also Chris has been trying to call in at her birthday, March seventh. But you know, a couple of her obituaries say March eighth, which was my father's birthday. Why did they keep misprinting that March eighth? You know, I, I do not know. I, I one time went on Ancestry. dot com and it said that my father died on August fifteenth. Well, he died on August fourth, and we all know. Oh, it. really? Wow! Uh, I do yeah, not know. I think a paper article because I do research. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yes, let me ask you another uh, question. So, something that was brought up recently. Something from one of the older shows. When you first started talking about her dying in March, and her birthday was what February twenty third? Am I right? Or twenty first? February twenty first. Okay, and it was around then. All right, because someone says, no, her birthday was this and then that. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. But did you say that she had twin sisters? No, she has an older sister and a younger brother. Um, okay, younger because brother someone Dennis, was telling uh, me the other day that, no, I remember the show that she had twin sisters and they had the gift too, but they chose not to use it. And I'm like, I didn't remember that. So I just wanted to um, – Make sure of that because someone I'm not going to mention any names or whatever because it doesn't matter. But they insisted that she had twin sisters that had the gift also. So I'm trying to figure out what show was that on that had the twin sisters that didn't use the gift. So I was a little confused if it was Melanie or not because I didn't remember. No, no, it wasn't Melanie. She she had just one sister to my knowledge. Um, she didn't have the gift, Melanie's sister, right? Or did she? Um, if she did have any of it, she didn't make any use of it or light of it, nor has she talked about it, you know, with me or anything. Because um, mm-hmm. I know one thing that has happened is, at least since, you know, having written the books, or the first book at least, is that, you know, people who have been gifted have come out and said so because they know that I'm not going to shoot them down, condemn them, or tell them they're headed for hell because mm-hmm. I know otherwise. Right, right. And, Excuse me, I just had to put my air conditioning on. It's noise. Um, okay, right. Kevin. Let me um, let me ask you some more about the book. So, sure. the purpose of the book is all basically about Melanie's life and what, uh, how she's inspiring all the rest of us that are intuitive, right? Um, well, the main purpose of the book is to show a person can be a medium and serve the Lord, or you could be psychic right. and serve the Lord. And if Melanie's life is there because it's saying, here's someone who did it. Right. She actually right. served the Lord and and was a medium to the end as mm-hmm. well as a Christian to the end. Let me ask, uh, can I ask you another question? Because we talk about the life of a Christian. Um, yes. 
what about people of the Jewish faith? Um, you know, we don't we don't discard anybody of the show. You know, no matter you know who you honor. Have you ever heard of people of the Jewish faith and other religions like um, doing this also, or that didn't do it because of their faith? Have, have you ever gotten into that, or do you know of anybody? Well, I've had people who have actually told me that when they were raised Catholic that the Catholic Church considered it pretty much a no-no. I don't know the reasoning behind that, because to me, I grew up in a church that was what we call non-credal, because it, it, it only based its beliefs on the Bible. Catholic, mm-hmm. The Catholic Church, as I have understood it, is both Bible and tradition. Um, right. And I, no, well, that's still that Christian reason, faith. That's still Christian. Yeah, that's still Christian. Um, yeah, I, I wondered I about that. I'd like to get somebody on the show about that, that maybe is of the Jewish faith that does this. Actually, I do have a friend that's of the Jewish faith, I think, that does it. And I don't think we've ever discussed this. I was wondering what their rabbi or whatever thought about this compared to our priests and our ministers and our, you know. Yeah, I, that, that would be quite interesting to find out, you know, on, on what the feel would be on that one. Yeah. Yeah. But again, too, many of these gifted people also appeared in the Old Testament, which is what the Jews believe, you know. Um, mm-hmm. the, the servant of the prophet Elisha um, right. was, you know, was given the ability to see the spirit world, you know, when he thought that uh, Jerusalem was surrounded by the Assyrian army, and, and Elisha prayed, you know, Lord, open his eyes. And when he did, he saw the chariots of fire of the Lord around the Assyrian army. Uh, right. So that was an ability given in the Old Testament. Another, the ability to hear a voice in the mind was given to the prophet Elijah when he was running from um, uh, Queen Jezebel in First Kings 19.12. It says, you know, that Elisha heard a, Elijah heard a still mm-hmm. small voice. And if you go to the definition of still, it means silent, uttering no sound. Right. And it's not a gentle whisper like some translations have, because that does have a sound. So the only way you would hear a still voice has to be in the mind that it was put into the mind. And so you yeah. know that was that that's validated there again in the Old Testament. You know, yeah, some people many, question many, that. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, uh, again, the prophet Samuel was you know what many people refer to as clairvoyant. He was able to tell King Saul that his missing. Uh, herds had been found, but that he right. had business to do with Saul because the Lord had chosen him as king. You know, so you know mm-hmm. that was you know that was many ways that, that these gifts were actually shown in the Old Testament. In each case, the Lord was the giver. Well, let me ask you a question, and I don't know if you have the answer to this, because people say are you, to me like, "Well, if you hear voices, you must be schizophrenic. It's a mental illness." Well, first of all, I just want to like what you just said. I don't hear voices, okay? I, like you said, it's in the mind when these gifts come. Like when I just read this girl or whoever else I've read, it's not something that I whispers in my ear or something like that. It's not like I'm hearing voices and talking back to them, all right? It's nothing like that. What do you feel on people with schizophrenia and with this? How do you differentiate between the two? People that actually are they maybe that have this gift so strongly that it drives them crazy, or what? What do you feel about that? Have you ever been asked that before? Okay, well, first I want to qualify. I do not have the medical or psychological training to determine schizophrenia, you know. But right, if right. I were taking it from the viewpoint of a deacon or a layman, I would first say that a voice that comes to you 
mm-hmm. would not tell you to do something contrary to the Lord's already written will in the Bible. In other words, you know, there, that's if, a if very good answer. You know, once you kill or harm yourself, you know, that's obviously not something that the Lord, you know, would have you do according to Scripture. Right. You know, that's a very good answer. That, very good answer, Kevin. But that, that's about as far as I can go, is, you know, is that you would never be asked to do something that the Lord mm-hmm. says do not do. Or right. You right. Would, or you would be encouraged. Or on the flip side, you could be led by the Lord to fulfill your purpose if it is the Lord's voice. But it will never exactly. take you through steps that, that will cause you to disobey the Lord or not. That's beautiful. And, and I don't pretend, and remember, we don't give medical advice or psychological or any kind of advice like that because we're not qualified to do that. I just want to state that. But, you know, but we are, you know, we have our own minds to think and, and can kind of like sum up what our own feelings are on these things. And I think that was a very, very good answer, Kevin. Very good answer. Right. The difference well, is that somebody that has this gift and, and hears messages for people, and it's not, I'm not telling people, go harm yourself, go do this, go do this, da, 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 da. you know, that's not what I do. If anything, what we do, and that's how you know it's of the Lord, it's a healing. It's, it's, it's He's letting us know we're here to help heal these people, to give them hope. Where someone, like you said, with schizophrenia, and like I said, I'm not qualified because I'm not a doctor. Okay, but you know, if they're they're being told to harm themselves or harm somebody else, that's a whole different um, category. That is a mental illness. So I just want to differentiate because people say, "How do you know you're not schizophrenic?" Uh, well, this happened in Jesus' <laughs> time as well. The biggest number one thing that would happen is if Jesus healed somebody, he healed a person with a withered hand, he healed someone with a flow of blood, and the first thing the Pharisees would say is, he did it on the Sabbath day, therefore, mm-hmm. we must conclude he's not of God. So, right. you know, the, the thing is, you, you will get these kind of oppositions, and, and this happens to this day, one of the one of the things that I've listed in this book that was not in my first book is the, is the nine reasons why the myth that psychic and medium abilities are evil still gets perpetuated. I was asked that on my first talk show that I did, and and I prepared it especially for that show. Um, but it's now right. in this second book on Melanie that uh, right. that this myth continues, and one of the big ones is they if you don't keep the regulations of this religion, you must not be of God. Therefore, your ability must be evil. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, I have some uh, even like family members that not real. I mean, they're there for me, but they're not real swift to me doing this. Um, and they kind of trade ground, you know, with me sometimes. And it's like, you know, not that I believe in what you're doing is not. Well, I know that you have a good heart. And they just don't understand what I'm doing and whatever. And that's where I think if they took the time to read both your books, they would understand it. Because this is a man of God. This is a Christian man, a man who has been ordained in the Baptist faith, who's taught Bible study in Sunday school. I've also taught Sunday school, but never, you know, no qualifications for it, just did it, you know. But we are people that believe in the Lord and, and our Lord Savior Jesus Christ, and um, we pray. I pray every day, and I'm sure you do, and like yeah. most uh, other Christian, um, you know, intuitives. And Well, anyhow, Kevin, we're down to the last 90 seconds. Um, I'd like to do a whole show about the book. I mean, this was kind of last minute with you. And again, yeah. the names of the books and where to find them, and then we're going to close the show down. And okay. um, 
I appreciate you coming on again. So real quickly, we got about 50 seconds left. So the okay, name of the books are... First book is The Bible, The Truth About Psychics and Spiritual Gifts, which is available both in print and as a Kindle. And my second book, Melanie, uh, Christian Medium's Life and Her Gifts of Spirit, which right now is available only on Kindle, but should be available in print in about two weeks. That's fantastic. Um, well, I'll be talking to you privately, Kev, um, about when we'll get you on to do a whole show about both books again and to get more into the subject with answers and questions from our listeners. And I want to apologize to anybody that's tried calling in the show tonight because the only ones on here right now is you and me. So I will be calling the show and, and asking what happened here tonight because I only had a couple callers come in, and I know other people were supposed to be calling in too. So um, it's by no fault of my own. You know, either trust me or you don't because there's no reason that I would not bring you on. Okay, well, anyhow, I want to say good night. We're off the air now, so if you're on the line, nobody else is. So um, I want to say good night, and God bless everyone, and God bless your family. Okay? Okay, good night, Peggy. Kevin, good night now. Thank you, Kevin. Have a good evening. You're welcome. Good night. Good night.